Um, so today's scripture reading can be found on page 1079 of the Bible's next year seats, as well as on the screen. This is God's word. Praise be to the fa- God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made, us, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of his glory. The word of the Lord. All right, if you haven't closed your Bibles, you might want to keep them open, just because we're going to reference it a few times throughout the, uh, the sermon today. But before we get started, let's see. I'd like us to uh, open with just a word of prayer. God, our Father, we gather today to encounter your Son, Jesus, and to be filled by your Spirit. Enlighten our minds that we may know you. Stoke the fire of our hearts that we might be filled with passion and love for you. And give peace to our bodies that we might find our rest in you. Use these words and this time for your purposes so that we, your church, might be built up together as adopted members of your family. Amen. Amen. So a few weeks ago, our church got to celebrate something pretty special. Uh, Elijah was adopted into uh, Dan and Steph's family, and he's over at the nursery right now. And uh, a lot of us may have been at the camping trip, so we weren't able to celebrate with them, but that was a big moment, a big celebration in their life, uh, and also just in the life of our church. And I asked them if I could share a little bit about that story this morning, and they said that that was okay. So uh, they said that we got a call about Elijah, in February 2017, it's a little echoey here, and uh, he had been with another foster family, but the county was pretty certain that he was going to be adopted eventually, so they wanted to move him to a home that was open to that. Uh, I got off the phone with the social worker, called Daniel, and we said yes to Elijah. It was an easy yes, but it took a while for it to sink in that he was actually going to stay forever and be our son forever. Over the next year and a half, his case was going through the court, and eventually his birth family had their parental rights terminated, and we adopted him on June 29, 2018. Uh, On June 29, Elijah went from being a member of one family to being a member of another family. 
Because that's what adoption is, isn't it? One family gives up their rights and their responsibilities to a child, and another family picks up those rights and those responsibilities. So in verses 4 and 5 of the passage that we read, Paul writes, In love he predestined us, us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. So when Paul writes that, he's saying to the church in Ephesus, and by extension to us, that our adoption papers have been finalized, that we have been adopted into God's family. And Paul kind of jumps right into this theme of adoption. But I want us to take a step back and look at the families that we had been a part of before we were adopted into God's family. For some of us, we don't have to think that far. Maybe we were part of the family of depression, with uh, loneliness as our father and with exhaustion as our mother. Maybe we were part of the family of anger, with our cousins always with us, self-righteousness, contempt, resentment. Maybe you were part of the family of addiction, whether an addiction to alcohol, to drugs, to pornography, or just an addiction to our own comforts. All of us were part of one family before in our lives. These, these families tended to be broken and toxic families. If you're a Harry Potter fan, these families looked a lot more like the Dursleys than the Weasleys. If you're into Disney, this family looked like the wicked stepmother and stepsister of Cinderella rather than the royal family of Prince Charming. These are the families that we were born into, and we once belonged to these families. Many of these families may have made big promises to us that they would give us what we needed, that we would find what our hearts longed for in these families, but they always left us empty. They always left us disappointed, and they never could satisfy that longing that we had to be part of a true family, to be part of a family that loved us and that accepted us and where we really belonged. Once we belonged to these families, but that's not the family to which God adopts us. It's clear from this passage that God chose to bring us out of those dysfunctional and broken families into his family through Jesus, into his family, which is a covenant family, which is a family with history and with a place for you to be a part of it. In this scenario, Jesus acts as our older brother in God's family. See, Jesus is God the Father's only begotten son, but the Father is a family man. He's got a big heart. So he wanted to adopt more sons and daughters into that family. He wanted to adopt us into that family, but there was only one problem, that we were still part of our old family. Our original family still had parental rights over us, and they didn't want to give us up so easily. Many of us might know from experience that uh, it's hard for us to let go of our old family. And our old family usually doesn't want to let go of us. Even if we try to break free from the sins that, that kind of claim our life, <laughs> it doesn't let us go very easily. It clings to us. It keeps us stuck in the same destructive habits that we had lived our entire life. It keeps us stuck in the same place. So there we were, trapped in that dysfunctional, abusive family, not even aware that we have a loving father who's out there looking for us when suddenly Jesus knocks and shows up at the door with our adoption papers. And that's what, that's what I think the Bible really is. It's just a really long adoption packet. And it's got our names written in it. Ask any parent who's adopted a child, and they'll tell you how important it is to have the right 
paperwork. Well, this, is, this is our paperwork. Uh, this is our paperwork, and it has uh, the signature that, that sets us free from our old family. It's signed in Jesus' blood, and our adoption papers are sealed in our baptism into God's family. With Jesus' sacrifice and the life-giving work of the Holy Spirit, our adoption process was completed. And now our family became whole. With God as our father, with Jesus as our brother, with the Holy Spirit as the love which binds us all together, and then with us, the adopted children of God's family. So what does it mean to be members of God's family? What does it mean now that we've been adopted into this new family? Well, we can uh, look and see what changed when Elijah was adopted into Dan and Steph's family. Uh, what Steph wrote was that he has all the rights any child that we gave birth to has, things like our inheritance. I think that's a really cool metaphor because while he probably won't have a ton of financial inheritance from us, what we really hope he inherits uh, are a lot more important things from us. And I think that's a really good way to put it. But when we think of inheritance, sometimes we have a mixed history of inheritance, especially in our culture. Uh, for some of us, there's a history of generational inheritance. It can be a pretty common story. Maybe uh, way back in the day, your great-grandparents uh, were able to get a loan and buy a nice house, pay it off, save up some wealth, and pass it on to their children, who then used that inheritance to buy a nicer home and accumulate more wealth and pass it on to their children, and so on and so on. And this is actually a pretty brilliant uh, system, and it would have worked great for our society if everybody had been included. But not everybody got to be a part of that system. For millions of people, they were kept from buying homes, kept from getting decent jobs, kept from getting a good education simply because of the color of their skin, or simply because of the languages they spoke or didn't speak. Instead of being able to get these things which would have allowed people to build up an inheritance and pass it on to their future generations, they were held down and kept out of this system. And now we as a society see the inequality that's resulted from that. While one group, mostly white people, were building up and passing down an ever-increasing inheritance to their children, other groups, pretty much anybody but white people, uh, was held down and forced to start from scratch with each new generation. This is a, a pretty broken vision of inheritance, and it's pretty much the opposite of the vision that Paul lays out for us in Ephesians. The vision that God, uh, that God has for our inheritance is that everybody in God's family gets to be a part of it. Everybody who's in his family, no matter what race they are, what language they speak, what gender they are, everybody gets to have a piece of God's inheritance. And not only does he give it to us freely, but it's worth so much more than any earthly inheritance ever given. It doesn't matter if you're Bill Gates' great-grandson and you'd be inheriting like billions of dollars. What God in, uh, allows us to inherit is worth so much more. Uh, as N.T. Wright put it, the inheritance that God has in mind, so it appears from this passage and the whole chapter, is the whole world when it's been renewed by a fresh act of God's power and love. God intends to flood the whole cosmos, heaven and earth together, with his presence and grace. And when that happens, the new world that results, in which Jesus himself 
will be the central figure is to be the inheritance for which Jesus' people are longing. As God's adopted children, we can look forward to our inheritance. And our inheritance is everything. Nothing, our inheritance is nothing less than the entire universe when it's put in its rightful place under Christ's just and righteous rule. That's what we have to look forward to. But we don't even have to wait that long. To make it even sweeter, in, uh, in verse 13 and 14 of Ephesians, we read that, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. The Holy Spirit is a deposit which guarantees our inheritance already, which means that we don't have to wait till the end to receive it. We have it with us now. It means that we don't have to wait for God to finish renewing and redeeming the world. He's already doing it, and we get to be witnesses to it. We get to watch and participate with the Holy Spirit as he renews and redeems the world as our inheritance. And we can see it all around us. We just need to open our eyes and see it happening. I see it all the time in the, the teens that I work with at the greenhouse. I see the Holy Spirit working in them, making them more compassionate and generous. I see it in families. We can see it in our families or in our friends when we see people becoming more loving and more merciful, when we see broken relationships being healed, when we see outsiders being welcomed in. That's the work of the Holy Spirit redeeming our inheritance right now. We see it at City Life when we have new people joining our community, when we have new children being born and adopted into our city life family, we get to see the Holy Spirit at work building up our inheritance right now. And finally, as members of God's family, we get brought on to the family business, which I think is really exciting. There are some families in uh, Murano, Italy, who have been uh, part of a glass-blowing family business since the time of the Renaissance. These families teach their children this craft of how to blow glass, and those children learn it, and they pass it on to the next generation, and that's the family business for them. They've been doing it for hundreds of years. And if you're born into that family or adopted into that family, you learn this craft. There's this rich heritage of what it means to be uh, in these families, and they're still around. There's the Vanini family and the Salviati family and the Mondrezato family who have for hundreds of years been creating these beautiful pieces of art that the world recognizes as something incredible. This is our calling, to join God's family business. And it's a business that has a rich heritage and a full history of our spiritual ancestors who've been a part of that family. It's our, uh, <laughs> it's our calling to join this family business. We have a mission in this family. And God lays out what that mission is in verses 11 and 12. Uh, what Paul writes is, uh, In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. This is our calling, that we might be for the praise of his glory. When Paul uses the word be, he's using the Greek word inei, which doesn't mean just to exist or to be, 
In Greek philosophy, to be something implied a function or a purpose. For instance, like a knife could only be a knife if it could cut. A house could only be a house if it provided shelter. Well, for us to be in the family of God means that we be, we exist for his glory and his praise. That is our calling. That's our purpose. That's our function as members of the family of God, to praise and glorify the Father. So how do we do this? How do we live out our family calling? Well, we look to the example of our older brother, the true son of God. We, we look at, at the example that Jesus set for us. Uh, being a part of the family means loving our neighbors. It means humbling ourselves so that any glory or praise that might have gone to us, we now pass on to God. It means that we ask the Holy Spirit to help us let go of some of the bad habits that we picked up in our old families. We ask the Holy Spirit to show us what it means to be a member of this new family. And as members of this family, it's our calling and our purpose to seek justice. Uh, we mentioned the unjust version of inheritance that we see in our world today. Well, that's something that our family business calls out. That's something that we as the church uh, are working to make right. There's a, an article in the uh, Belhar Confession, which is a, uh, an article that came out of apartheid in, uh, in South Africa, that talks about how our family can respond to the division and the injustice that we see in the world. Uh, and this is what they wrote. They said that we believe that God has revealed himself as the one who wishes to bring about justice and true peace among people. We believe that God in a world full of injustice and enmity is in a special way the God of the destitute, the poor and the wronged. We believe that God calls the church, God calls us to follow him in this, for God brings justice to the oppressed and gives bread to the hungry. We believe that God frees the prisoner and restores sight to the blind. We believe that God supports the downtrodden, protects the stranger, helps orphans and widows, and blocks the paths of the ungodly. We believe that God wishes to teach the church to do what is good and to seek the right. We believe that the church must therefore stand by people in any form of suffering and need, which implies, among other things, that the church must witness against and strive against any form of injustice so that justice may roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. We believe that the church, as the possession, as the adopted family of God, must stand where the Lord stands, namely against injustice and with the wronged, that in following Christ, the church must witness against all the powerful and privileged who selfishly seek their own interests and thus control and harm others. I think that's a beautiful vision for our family's calling, for our family business, for the purpose to which we have been invited into God's family. As members of God's family, we get to work with him in redeeming and renewing the world, which is our inheritance. Uh, as one of my former, uh, the, the professor at my alma mater wrote, uh, Suzanne McDonald, she says, it is the calling of God's elect people and their being in action to represent God in and to the world. 
God's purpose in electing a people for himself is that God's loving justice and salvation might reach to the ends of the earth. We have been adopted into God's family, and in this family we find a purpose and we find a mission. Our mission is to share the love that we have received with others. Our mission is to invite our friends and family to see their name written in the adoption packet. Our mission is to uh, receive and enjoy our inheritance. I think that might be my favorite part of our mission, is that we just simply get to receive and enjoy the inheritance that our older brother won for us. What a blessing we, we have to be a part of this adopted family. We have a glorious father. We have a faithful brother in Jesus. And we have the love of the Holy Spirit which binds all of us, us the church, God's adopted children, into that one family. Let's pray. God, our Father, out of loving grace, you chose to adopt us as sons and daughters in your family to share in Christ's inheritance as well as his calling, to give you praise and glory with the aid of the Holy Spirit. Teach us this family business. Help us embrace our new identity in your family. Open our eyes to see the inheritance you are offering us right now and move us to invite more brothers and sisters into this family of love. In your holy name we pray. Amen.